You're listening to a session of Come Celebrate, hosted by the Bay Christian Family Church. Oh, you may be seated. Tonight is your night. Somebody's been believing for something. Somebody's had their faith on something. But you're going to leave here healed, restored, delivered. There's some things that God is already working out for you in the spirit realm. Some of you all have been praying for miracles and praying for breakthrough. But I'm here to tell you that tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. Let's go ahead and get started. I got a lot to cover, but Apostle told me that I could take my time. You all are truly like family to me. I love you all. Can we give our leadership another round of applause? Apostle Allen, Pastor Jene. Um, you know, you all are, you're kind of like an uncle and an aunt to me. Uncle Allen, Aunt Janine. Y'all are our spiritual family to me. And uh, I'm so glad to be in this house and have the honor of bringing the word to you. Let's go to our first slide. If you were here with us last night, how many of you all were here last night? Praise God. All right. We're going for part two. And I'm going to give just a brief recap, but I want to start at a different place. We're going to give a brief recap, and then we're going to go to where God wants us to go tonight. Can we do that? Amen. God bless you all, and shout out to everybody who's joining us online across the world, across the nation, and at all the different campuses. We bless you in the name of the Lord. We're excited about what God is going to do through your life, because how many of you all know that there's no distance in the Spirit? The same God that's here is right there with you. It says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was anointed with the what? The Holy Spirit and with what? Power. Who went about doing good and healing all, say all, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, did he heal a few people who were oppressed by the devil? Did he heal some people who were oppressed of the devil? He healed all people. So, it seems like it's in his nature to not just heal some, but to heal all. That it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what background you go to, what degree you do or don't have, if you got kicked out of school, if you have a high-paying job, if you drive a nice car or can't afford a car, none of that matters. It's by faith that we receive the promise of healing for us. So Jesus, he preached and demonstrated the kingdom of God. The kingdom preaching was never meant to go forth without demonstration. Because without demonstration, sometimes the world will try to receive it as just another religious message. Just another proclamation of faith-based belief. But when demonstration comes, see, kingdom demonstration always sets the gospel of Jesus Christ aside from all other religions. Kingdom demonstration distinguishes us. And what I like about this verse is this word good, that he went about doing good, it comes from a Greek word that means benefactor or philanthropist. That this term is actually speaking, this doing good is speaking of giving in philanthropic efforts. He's giving. See, I know sometimes we think about Maybe Jesus going around and collecting offerings. No, no, no. He was going out distributing. We see distribution was in his nature, right? He had 20,000 people show up. That's an arena full of people show up and he fed them. 
distribution was in his nature. Because he knew he had to demonstrate the kingdom, right? We're not trying to live a, a get blessed so we can just live the blessed life. We're blessed to be a blessing. Notice, once again, in the kingdom, it should be in our nature to distribute. God wants to make you a distributor of good. God wants to make you a distributor of resources. I hear the Holy Spirit saying that somebody needs to start a business in here. That God has been dealing with you about starting a business. I don't know if you're in this room or online. God has been dealing with you about starting a business. And all this week, it's been hard for you to sleep because you've been toiling, going back and forth. What should I do? What should, I, should I leave my job? Should I do this? God says you need to start that business, not just because of you, but because of how many will be affected by you. See, sometimes I think we sell our level of influence short. You know, sociologists, they actually do, have done studies, and they estimate that even the most introverted of people will influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. People are watching you. They're listening to you. They want to know what you have to say. And you say, well, I'm not somebody of influence. I'm not up on the, on the platform like Apostle Bag or Pastor David. No, 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 no. You have your own sphere of influence. And when you start to exercise your gift, it gets their attention. See, you carry what somebody's looking for, and they don't even know they're looking for it in you because they're not aware that you contain what they're looking for. But God decided to package that perfect gift inside of some gift wrapping, and that's you. That's how you look. That's how you dress, how you act. And God said, you know what? I'm going to hold out on this gift for thousands of years. God has held out on you or held the world out for you until now. For such a time as this, God had you on reserve and put you in the earth, not just to exist, but to dominate to take your position in this earthly realm, to be able to make manifest the glory of God. That's why you're here. This is not in my notes, but I need to tell somebody, don't ever sell yourself short. Because the moment you think that you're not valuable, the enemy works to limit your behavior, your belief, and your power to match that same level of what's inside. The power of God can only work in proportion to your identity. If you don't think you're significant, it's hard to do significant things. Every single person in this room is significant. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background is. You're all significant. And it says in the Bible, even in Acts chapter 10, that God shows no favorites. He has no favorites. But yet we're all his favorites. But he says he shows no favoritism that ev to, to every man that him who feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him in every nation. So let's go to Acts chapter, um, no, let's skip past Acts. And then we went to John chapter 14, verse 12 yesterday. And we talked about that the works that Jesus did, we can do too and greater works because he's going to the Father. So your assignment here on the earth is not just to go to school and then get educated, get a good job, 
get a wife and kids or a spouse and live a good, uh, live a good life and, and get a mortgage and then die. No, no, no. You're here to continue the work that Jesus started. You're here to continue that work. What's that work that God gave us, that Jesus commanded us? Let's go to the next slide, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. We call this the Great Commission. Notice that this is called the Great Commission, not the Great Option. The Great Commission. You know, I've been commissioned to do some things by my father. You know, Joshua talked about that a little bit earlier, about the commissioning of a pastor father. And there's not a whole lot of options a lot of times when you are commissioned to do something. And Jesus didn't ask the disciples, do you feel like doing this? He commissioned them to do it. Because if you don't do it, who will? So Jesus says, go therefore and make what? Not just converts, disciples, disciplined ones. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe how many things? All things that I have commanded you. So the Great Commission cannot be done in its fullness without the proper context. What's the proper context? The original assignment that man was given to take dominion. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and let them have dominion. And that's still our assignment today. So yesterday we started on part one of the government of God. And this is part two. You can go to the next slide. So what is this definition of kingdom? We're talking about the kingdom of God. The definition of a kingdom is the governing authority and influence of a sovereign ruler who impacts his territory through his will, purpose, and intentions, which are manifest and manifested in the culture, lifestyle, and quality of a citizenry. This is the definition of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom of God? It's God's operational system. It's God's mode of operating. God's mode of doing things. It's his way. It's his, the way he does things. It's his culture. We're not talking about the world's culture, the world system. We're not talking about uh, woke culture. We're talking about God's culture. And you can go to that next slide. We talked about it's his divine operation and then where is the kingdom of God? Where is it? Turn your neighbor, say, it's in you. Turn your other neighbor, the one that with a nice outfit on, say, it's in you. It's in you. It's not something that we're trying to find. We don't have to go to a building to, to get it. We don't have to go to a Woolworths to get it. The kingdom of God is inside of you. You carry with you a whole government. That means that you are here on diplomatic assignments. Which means that you also have diplomatic immunity to what's going on in this world. They get sick, you don't have to. They lack, you can prosper. There's a recession, there's no recession in heaven. So the more I have an awareness of who my government is, I know we have to serve our natural governments. I'm not talking about trying to do something against them. But the more awareness I have of my government, then the more I can operate within that system. And I don't have to be limited to this natural world system. Somebody say amen. amen. So let's pick up where we left off last night. Next slide. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. 
and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we can say it like this. God will allow whatever you allow. And if you don't allow it, God will allow it. But I like what Apostle said. God will protect your right to make a choice. That's a powerful statement. He will protect your right to choose. Choose ye this day who you will serve. I have set before you blessing, right? Life and death, blessing and cursing. But choose life that you and your family will live. So let's go to the keys. What are the keys to the kingdom? And I listed just a few, but we're going to get to something that's major for tonight. What are the keys? We have the law of love. In John chapter 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. That you've, you know, he talked about before that you've heard it say that, you know, you love your neighbor or uh, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. So he's talking about love. And so he goes over here and says, Love others as I have loved you. A new commandment I give you. So we know that we need to love, not because of what they did, but in spite of what they do, regardless of what they do. Well, you don't know, Pastor David, they talk about me all the time. So they talked about Jesus. You said, well, they didn't even apologize. So do you need an apology to do God's command? The law of love, the economic system of the kingdom, sowing and reaping. Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 4, it says this, that the kingdom of God is as if a man should sow seed in the ground, and he would sleep and rise night and day, and that seed would spring up and grow forth, and he doesn't even know how. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So the economic system of the kingdom of God is sowing and reaping. It's not capitalistic, it's sowing and reaping. Notice the capitalistic society says buy and sell. Nothing wrong with that. We have to operate in that system. But we can go to a higher system. So if you're ready to increase, you can go to a higher system than just selling pancakes, as he said. As we say in the States, selling chicken dinners. You can't sell enough chicken dinners to do what God wants you to do here with the time that God has given you to do it. It's not going to take just thousands or hundreds of thousands, or millions. It's going to take billions and trillions of dollars and rand to spread the gospel, to lift the curse in our communities, to be able to provide for the needs of the poor. Faith is the currency in this government. How many times did Jesus say, your faith has made you well? All things are possible who him who believes. So when you have a lot of faith in this kingdom, there's a lot you can do. When you have a little faith, there might only be a little that you can do. Because it's according to your faith, be it unto you. Notice Jesus doesn't say according to your tears, according to your fancy outfit, (laughs) according to your degree, according to who you know, according to what you drive, according to what seat and how close you get to the stage when you come to church. No, no, no. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Our Constitution is the Bible. James calls it the perfect law of liberty. The perfect law of liberty. So this is our Constitution, which means 
that it doesn't matter what I think about the certain issues. What matters is what God says. And he's already voted on it. Father, Spirit, and the Son. They all voted on it. And they said, this is it. So sometimes things will come across in culture and make us think that we should have a different opinion other than what the Word of God is. But where the Word of God is, there is the power. The power to transform and set free and deliver. It's in the Word. Prayer is how we communicate with the kingdom government. So what is God doing? He's reintroducing us to the original culture of God. We talked about Jesus saying yesterday, repent for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent, it meant to come and join me in the way I think about things. We want to think the way God thinks. Now, as we get saved and we come into this new life with Christ, sometimes these old habits, these old thought patterns, they try to follow us. Because as God has renewed our spirit, we are asked, we are commanded to change the way we think, which is a consistent and purposeful process. You can't change your thinking on accident. <laughs> you change it on purpose. You purposefully program yourself. We are the only self-programmable beings on this earth. And God has given us the word of God to do it. And so when we come into the kingdom, we behave differently because we think differently. But sometimes if we don't do that, then we'll still behave according to the old customs of the world, right? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 18. You can go to the next slide. It says it like this in the Passion Translation. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And in Galatians, he mentions this. But when you were brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Ooh, that's a big one right now. Being in love with your own opinions. It's not the Word of God that is splitting churches and splitting Christianity. It's people's own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? Now, it didn't say that they won't be saved because somebody can get saved but still do some of these things. But it said you will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean, Pastor David? These people will not see the full power of God on display in their lives. These are the people that we talked about yesterday that are just standing at the doorway. They've just received salvation but won't go into the house to receive the fullness of everything that God has for them. God is not trying to prohibit us from doing a lot of things just because he, he wants us to not do it. He's trying to tell us, hey, everybody, don't use this freedom 
in a way that will stop you from advancing the kingdom of God, that will stop you from growing, that will introduce sin into your life. You know why God hates sin? Because it separates us from him. It tries to drive a wedge between us and our relationship with him. That's why he wants us to live a holy and set apart life. Because when we do, we start to experience more of the presence of God, unencumbered by shame, guilt, and condemnation. Because sin brings shame. And shame makes us do just what Adam did, hide ourselves from the presence of God instead of hiding ourselves in the presence of God. And God knows it. So he says, hey, stay away from this stuff. It'll only serve as a distraction. It'll only serve as something that gets between me and you and my power and presence in your life. But there's an ultimate key that I want to talk about here tonight. That ultimate key is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. It says in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in whose name? What does it say? Send in my name. He will teach you how many things? And bring to your remembrance how many things? All things that I said to you. Not just random things. The things that I've taught you according to the customs and culture of the kingdom of God. So the Holy Spirit is there to tutor you. He's there to help you. He's a teacher and a tutor. He's there to colonize you. We talked about this word colonization yesterday, and it was something that the Roman government, they used. And so they would go into a territory and they would, instead of displacing the people and taking the people from their home territory, they would kill off the soldiers and strong men, and they would leave the women and children. And from there, they would make that place, Rome, they would actually take one of their own political people, which is called a governor, and they would put that governor in that new territory. Let's say the new territory was Cape Town. So they would put a governor in Cape Town, and that governor's responsibility was to be able to teach you the customs and culture of the Roman government. And so for this governor, his responsibility is to teach you these things. And, you know, uh, it said in Matthew chapter 27 that Pontius Pilate, he was the governor when Jesus was brought to him and they were trying to bring accusations before he finally went on to the cross. Herod was the governor when uh, Jesus was born and then he wanted to kill all the male children, two and under, right? And so these governors, they had a specific assignment. They wanted to teach the culture of their kingdom, which was Rome. You know, there's a saying, that says, when in Rome, oh, you've heard it before. Do as the Romans do. You know where that came from? Colonization. Because everywhere they placed the governor that they took territory of, that now became Rome. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Once this territory has been taken over, we now have to do as the Romans do. This is colonization. So this governor had a very specific role. Now, the king doesn't personally go into this new colony, but he administrates through his will, through his personnel, right? And this personal representative called a governor who lives there in the local colony. 
And the governor lives in a residence built by who? The home country. Now, this is good because the government is responsible for taking care of the governor. So wherever God sends us, God and the government of God is responsible for financing us. Now, I know you work a job, but change your mindset. Don't just work a job to meet your need. Work a job to get provided seed. Work a job so you can have your gift worked out of you. See, there's different reasons in the kingdom that we work a job, but none of them is just so we can have enough to pay bills. (laughs) You are a part of the richest family in the universe. You think he wants you to just have a job just so you can pay bills? No. The governor's responsibility is to prepare a new member of society for citizenry by getting them familiar with all of the customs and protocols of Rome so that they could be presentable to the king. So we have a governor, comes in Cape Town, teaches everybody, all of us, all of the customs. And so at that moment that they come into town, we're not just automatically citizens. We actually have to go through a process where we are trained to be a part of that citizenry of Rome. But check this out. Once you are a citizen and the governor prepares us to go before the king and we prove ourselves worthy, once you are a citizen of the new kingdom, the king is responsible for taking care of you. Somebody over there got it. The king is responsible for taking care of you. This is very, very important. And so the Roman government, as they sent a governor, they would also send the ecclesia or ecclesia. This word ecclesia, we also see Jesus use when he said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, or the word used is ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This word ecclesia, it didn't mean a building. It actually was a governing body of people. This ecclesia was actually a group that was sent along with the governor to a new territory that was responsible for also infiltrating that new territory with the customs. There were powerful people, skilled people, people with influence and affluence. And notice that that's what Jesus calls the church. So let's keep going. So why am I talking about the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the governor of the kingdom of God. So when you get saved, you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Then the Holy Spirit, and you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now comes into you and the Holy Spirit is responsible for teaching you the customs and culture of the kingdom of God. So those old things that you used to do, that's why you get now a conviction about doing them. Because the Holy Spirit is the governor and he is colonizing your spirit and your soul, customizing the way you think, feel, and behave. So it can all be adequate. It can all line up and all can be right for the kingdom of God and operating in the kingdom of God. So let's keep going. It says in John chapter 16 and verse 13 in the Amplified Version, but when he, who's he? The spirit of truth. The truth-giving spirit comes. He will guide you into all the truth, the whole and full truth. For he will not speak his own message. This is important. 
on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. Has the Father spoken his word? Are the word and the Father one? Then what do you think the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of? The word. And he will give you the message that has been given to him. And he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Man, this is good news. So what has God spoken? His word. So the Holy Spirit is the one who tutors us in the way of God and the ways of God. So when you are out of line or out of operation with the kingdom, he is there to help you get back into proper alignment. He's with you and he's keeping you in line with these new laws because your spirit and soul have now become his new jurisdiction. His new jurisdiction. You cannot accurately operate in the kingdom without the Holy Spirit tutoring you on how to do so. Man, that's good news. So not only is there, he's there to tutor you, but he's also there to protect you. He's there to help you. You know, there's a story that a pastor friend of mine tells. And there were some pastors in a town and they were having prayer meeting and, and they understood that there was witchcraft that was coming against them. And there was a group that was known that were trying to bring witchcraft against the certain churches of that city. And so they were sending out curses and spells, there was witchcraft going out. But how many of you all know that we have power over those things? Amen. And so they were praying in the prayer meeting. And one day as they were praying, this man busts through the, uh, the door. And he came through the door, bust into the sanctuary and says, I want to be saved. And they said, oh, okay, sure. And they received him in and they prayed a prayer of salvation and prayed with him. And he got delivered from those demonic forces. See, this man was one of those warlocks who was casting spells, sending out spells and, and trying to speak things against the church. And so as they got him saved and delivered and set free, they begin to inquire and ask him some questions about what was being done and what was being brought against the church. And so the man began to speak, and he said, one of our strategies is that we would strategically stand outside of the churches. And as people were walking into the churches, we would cast spells on them and speak spells on the different people that were walking in the churches. But he said, you know, one thing happened that was kind of interesting is that sometimes when we had the people come, we noticed that there were certain ones that had what it almost looked like little flames above their heads, that we would speak out these curses and then they would come back to us and not affect them. And he said, we learned to leave those people alone because we got tired of being cursed with our own curses. How many of you all know that the government of God is here to protect you from the curse, that witchcraft? Curses, black magic, new age, sorcery, that stuff cannot come nigh you. Because in this kingdom, you are protected. You are covered. There's a hedge of protection around you. You know what a hedge means? It means everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, it's right there with you. You're on the job, it's right there with you. You're in the neighborhood, it's right there with you. You're at the school, it's right there with you. You're at a, you're at a meeting, it's right there with you. You at Wimpy's ordering some food. It's right there with you. Or Nando's, wherever you prefer to go. The hedge of protection is always there. 
And the awareness of this government protection is what will keep you and your family safe. The angels are on assignment protecting you and your house. And any witchcraft that's been brought against you, it stops tonight. The power of God is stronger than any witch doctor, than any warlock, than any witch. And today we serve the enemy notice that no longer will you be bound by any lies of the enemy. That this is the last day in bondage to any lies. That's a good place to shout. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next slide. That brings me to one of my last points. I'm, I'm wrapping up here now. And, we're, and then we're going to flow in, into what God has for us because I believe that he wants to release some miracles here today. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? No, nah, y'all didn't do me right. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in? Come on, say it strong. Don't ever forget that. The kingdom comes with its own power grid. There's no load shedding in this kingdom, in this government. There's no power outage in this government. There's no waiting for the power to come back on. How many of you all know that you can always be tapped into the power? Now, Jesus gave specific instructions to his disciples. He said, wait here in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power. And then it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this word power, the dunamis, dunamin, is the same Greek word that was used in Mark chapter 5 when the woman of the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and it said that power, dunamin, dunamis power, came out of him. Sounds like miracle wonder-working power to me. You shall receive that same power. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria until the end of the earth. Why did Jesus tell them to wait before continuing with the assignment? Because the kingdom was never meant to just be preached without demonstration. The kingdom was not meant to be proclamated without being demonstrated. And the disciples needed the power. And he said, wait here so you can accurately be able to represent this kingdom until you receive power. Say, I got power. And this started the first divine revival. The first divine revival in the New Testament. That what happened? This man, Peter, was filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. He started to preach, and then thousands came to Christ. This is the same man that earlier in the story denied Jesus. He denied him the first time and denied him some more. It said he even cussed and swore to make sure that his point got across, that he didn't know Jesus, he wasn't with Jesus, you ain't seen me with him. I was not with him. Imagine the shame and the guilt that must have tried to overwhelm him 
that he said, I'm no longer worthy to be called a disciple of Jesus. And notice that there's always a redemptive quality of God. Because Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost and the Father maybe could have used any of the disciples. Maybe he could have used James or John, the one that God loves. But he decided to use Peter. I think he did that to prove to us that we're never out of reach of being used by God to do miraculous things. No matter who you are or what you've done. And some of you all might have tried to dumb down or cancel out the power of God in your life because you feel like you don't deserve it. Maybe you haven't earned it. Well, you know, I, I sinned yesterday or I, I fell to this or I'm still, you know, battling with this addiction. And you're saying, well, I, I, I don't know where I stand with God. And maybe that's creating a shame and a condemnation that's prohibiting you from receiving from God. Condemnation is a disease of the spirit. And it tries to lock you out of the power of God because it says, I'm not worthy. So we step back. But I'm here to tell you today that revival can happen in your life. It can happen in your finances. It can happen in your, your family. It can happen in your health. It can happen in your mental health. It can happen at your job. It can happen in your career. It can happen. All we have to do is believe. All we have to do is believe. And what is necessary? The power of God is necessary to manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. This is what the Lord said as I was praying in preparation for this, and we're going to shift after this. The goodness of God is about to hit your life like a flood. Let's say that again. The goodness of God is about to hit your life like a flood. You're about to experience God's goodness in such a measure that all you can do is weep. Because you know you didn't earn it. And you might have not deserved it, but that never stopped the goodness of God from reaching out to you. That when Jesus was sent down and he died on the cross for your sins, he saw you coming home. He saw you receiving healing. He saw you being set free. And you might be in here today and you've been in bondage to something. Maybe it's bondage to some kind of sickness or disease or pain or ailment. But God says you don't have to live that way any longer. That all we have to do is speak the word and you can be healed. We can speak the word. That God is still in the healing business. He's still in the miracle working business. And I believe that there's somebody here that's bold enough to believe God and take him at his word. That the word says that by his stripes you were healed. And you said, if that's what the word says, then it settles it for me. And you need to step up and take that which has already been given to you. You have to decide to receive that. I've had to make those decisions myself. You know, our daughter, our youngest daughter, Lily, I'll tell a personal story. I'll, I'll close with this. I, I got more, but we need to kind of move on. I want to encourage you in your faith. My youngest daughter, Lily, she's uh, youngest child, Lily. She's 10 years old. And about maybe three or four years ago, she was dealing with this stomach element. That was a terrible stomach element. And she would get these terrible stomach aches from time to time. 
And at first it was, you know, sometimes, but then it became all the time. It became every day. And at this you know, point, she's maybe six or seven years old. And that's my only girl, right? So your heart goes out to your child. And so what did we do? Well, of course, we do what faith people do. We prayed, right? We decreed the word of God. We prayed. Every time it happened, we prayed. We said by faith that she is healed. But it seemed to keep coming back day after day after day. And, you know, we did what good parents do. We took her to the doctor and said, you know, well, this is what's happening. And so they thought, well, maybe it's an uh, intolerance to something. Maybe it's an allergic reaction to something. Maybe it's a, a lactose intolerance. You know, so we took her off dairy. That didn't work. Maybe it's gluten. So then we took her off gluten. That didn't work. Maybe it's something else. So we tried all of these different things. And, and, uh, and if I have a keyboardist, you, you can come and, and start playing behind me. All of these different things. But nothing seemed to work. And it wasn't just a, a stomach ache that I was like, oh, my stomach's you know, kind of upset. It's kind of a, a, a little discomfort and you know, something that just kind of prohibits me a little bit. No, no, no. This was something that was keeping her out of school on certain days. She couldn't move. She'd be curled up in the bed, curled up on the couch. Say, can, can you get up? No. Can you keep anything down? No. Sometimes it would be causing her to vomit. Me and my wife, we said, well, all we can do is stand on the word. All we can do is stand on the word. We've seen God's miracle working power before. And we knew that the same God who did it then can do it now and can do it for us. So we could just continue to speak the word. And she went through this for months. And then there was a group of ladies who came from a different church uh, in the States that had a strong healing and miracle working ministry. And that was, that was you know, part of the bedrock of their ministry. They had many healing services. And my wife, she knew that they were coming and they were coming to meet with me for some administrative reasons and, and things. And so we were going over some things for a few days. And my wife, she texts me and she says, hey, I, I know you're with Apostle Maldonado's people. Can you ask them to just pray for Lily before you all leave and they go back to the airport and go home? And I like to say that I'm proud of this next moment, but I wasn't. Because when she said that, as soon as she said that, there was this pride that tried to rise up in me that said that, wait a minute. I mean, I have the same faith that they have. I have the same covenant that they have. The same Holy Spirit power that's alive in them is alive in me and alive in you and alive in Lily. Why do I need to ask them to pray for my child? We've already prayed, right? We've already decreed the word over their lives. And I felt like, well, I'm, here I am, a pastor in the church. My, my daughter's dealing with this thing, and do I need them to pray for me? And God said, you can have pride or you can have healing. The decision is up to you. And I said, okay, God. So I said, hey, you know, I know this meeting's coming to a close and this might be a shift in the meeting. I know we're all believers and so this is okay. Do you mind praying for my daughter, Lily? And I started to take them through, you know, exactly what she was going through. And these three ladies said, absolutely, let's do it. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost first for, for a minute or two. 
So we started to pray in the Holy Ghost. And then one of them began to pray and intercede and cast out the spirit of sickness and disease and pain. And the decree declared health, divine health and healing over her and over her body. So about five minutes later, the prayer ended. I said, thank you so much. I believe that it was done just like I had believed at other times that it was done. And then my wife, I think she texted me maybe 15 minutes later. And she texted me and said, hey, have you guys prayed already? And I said, yeah, yeah, we just finished praying just not too long ago. They're about to leave and go to the airport. And she said, okay, well, da- Lily, you know, and she was having um, an episode at that point. And so she said, Lily, she says she's feeling all better. And I think she stayed home from school that day. And she said she's feeling all better and she wants to go to gymnastics tonight. And so I was like, well, you know, praise God, but let's continue to give him time to work. You know, we want, we want this to be, you know, we know it's a finished work, but we want it to be finished in her body. Because she had been staying home, you know, and, and all kinds of stuff was happening. And so I said, okay, well, let's just wait. And we waited about maybe 30 minutes and she texted me back and she said, Lily's feeling, you know, just fine. And she go, and I said, okay, fine, that's fine. Go ahead and, you know, take her. So she took her, picked her back up from gymnastics, feeling just fine. Went to sleep that night, got up that next morning, got ready for school, feeling just fine. See, for months, we had been getting calls from the nurse at school about Lily and about her stomach ailments. Sometimes she would have to go home. And so sometimes when you've had to deal with an ailment for so long, it starts to try to seep into your mental space. It tries to affect your mindset and your thinking. And it makes you nervous to go through another day because you're wondering, is the pain going to happen again? Am I going to have another episode again? Is my mother or my father going to be okay? Is my son or daughter going to be okay? So maybe when the phone rings, maybe the spirit of anxiety tries to attack because you feel Like maybe it might be the doctor again. Maybe it might be that relative again or my sibling or or somebody who's near to me. But that day she went to school and there was no pain. That night she went to sleep, no pain. Apostle, that next day she ate some cheese. She said, can I have some cheese? I said, yeah, half a piece. And she said, well, I'm, I'm good. That next day, she had a a bowl of milk with some cereal. She was good. And then she had some gluten, and she was good. Then the next week passed, and she was good. And the next week passed, and she was good. And we didn't get any more calls from the nurses. There were no more issues, no more gymnastics meets that were missed. She was completely healed, completely restored from something that the doctors had no name for. You might be dealing with something that has no name. But no matter if it has a name or not, it can be tamed by the name of Jesus. Somebody in here, you might be dealing with something that has a name, but if it has a name, it can be tamed by the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. Stand with your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Because I feel a stirring in the spirit. And I believe that God wants to heal you right even where you are. You know, Apostle, we actually 
We have healing services on our schedule and on, on dad's schedule for healing meetings. And when the pandemic started, we had a healing meeting that was on the schedule for, I think, May or June of that year when the pandemic started. And, you know, uh, his assistant said, hey, you know, Dr. Winston, we have this uh, healing meeting. Should we reschedule it till, you know, after the pandemic lifts and stuff? And he went back and prayed about it. And he said, no, we're going to go on as scheduled. Now, nobody was meeting in the building. We had restrictions. It was still coming out of lockdown. So there was no attendees. And he said, the Spirit of God told him that this is going to be a virtual healing service. Amen. That people are going to get healed right in their seats, right in their homes, right in their living rooms, right on their couches. That the power of God is going to hit their body. And so what did we do? We had the healing service. And right on that platform, he began to speak the word of healing and call out different ailments and call out different things. And the power of God hit people's bodies. And we set technology up where they can text in and text the number and we'll put it on the screen. And we had over 300 testimonies of confirmed healings that night with nobody in the building. The power of God can meet you wherever you are. So I want you to receive of that power right now today. I want you to receive of that tonight. Let's just put our hands up. Heavenly Father, we receive of your miracle working power. You said that by your stripes, we are healed. It's a finished work of Jesus Christ. And we receive it by faith. You sent your word and healed them. And delivered them from all their sickness and all their diseases. Right now, we receive healing. We receive divine health. We come against every negative word that has been spoken by a doctor or by a physician. Every negative report that has been given, Father God. We come against it right now and plead the blood of Jesus. I command a cleansing to go through your body. I command a cleansing from head to toe. Hallelujah. I hear the Lord saying, even before that, no, you've been forgiven. You've been cleansed of your sins and cleansed of all unrighteousness. Son, daughter, your sins have been forgiven you. Now just receive. I speak to arthritis and I command arthritis to cease in the name of Jesus. I speak to lymph nodes right now, and I command the lymph nodes to stabilize, to normalize, to secrete normally. We come against the over-secretion of hormones right now in Jesus' name. I come against Hodgkin's disease in the name of Jesus. I come against growths and tumors. We command the growths and tumors to dematerialize, to dissolve, to dissipate in the name of Jesus. I command hormone imbalances to rebalance, to rebalance in the name of Jesus. I command thyroids to act normally in the name of Jesus. I command teeth and, and tooth decay and tooth pain. I command it to reverse and we speak creative miracles in the mouths of people who need that help in the name of Jesus. 
We command blind eyes to be opened. We command sight to be restored. 2020 vision. We command glycoma to, to cease in the name of Jesus. We command cataracts to cease in the name of Jesus. I command knees to be healed. Somebody just got a diagnosis that they would need knee replacement surgery. We command knees to be rehealed and to be restored. ACLs, PCLs, ligaments, tendons, uh, kneecaps. We command to be restored in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are the divine physician. Restore. Restore. Restore! Restore! Hallelujah. I hear God saying, I'm healing brain tumors. Growths on the brain. I'm healing brain tumors. Brain activity is normalizing. We command heart murmurs to cease. Heart arrhythmia to cease. We command hypertension to cease, a clearing out supernaturally of the arteries, that you're sending supernatural stints, Lord, into those arteries, clearing out those arteries, clearing out those veins. No more hypertension, no more atherosclerosis in Jesus' name. We command blood pressure to normalize in the name of Jesus. We speak the heart of a 16-year-old into that body in the name of Jesus. Somebody's mother just got a bad report from the cardiologist. We speak to that body and we command it to be restored, to be made healed and be made whole in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We command gout to cease and to leave in the name of Jesus. Swelling and inflammation, we command to leave and alleviate and to drain right now, right now. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody watching at home, it's been hard for you to get up. It's been hard for you to move. I hear the Spirit of God saying, rise and take your steps of faith. And with each step, you're going to start to get stronger. You're going to start to get stronger. Take that step of faith. I hear God saying, stop serving medication. You've made medication your God. But God says, I can deliver you from the need for that medication. I see somebody throwing away three bottles. Not, not trying to do it by faith, trying to get God to act. Doing it because you've already had manifested healing in your body and you no longer need them. God says, return to being dependent on me. Stand on the word of God. Right now, I come against mental disorders, 
ADHD, ADD, insomnia, dyslexia, depression, anxiety. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I break and bind every spirit of fear and mental torment that has tried to manipulate you, that has tried to control your movements, that has tried to paralyze you, it's tried to stop you, it's tried to make you run from the light and find grace and find a comfort in being in darkness. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Insomnia, leave. For you give your beloved sweet sleep. Now rest. I call a ceasefire right now to mental assault. In the name of Jesus. Right now we decree and declare a freedom and a salvation. A, 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 a rescue from abuse. God says, I have silenced and stopped the abuser. You're my child and you cannot be abused. Angels and ministering spirits go forward to protect those who other people have tried to harm. I hear God saying that he's healing your body right now from the wounds that you've suffered physically in an abusive marriage. I see you crying right now, just right on the floor, right next to your bed. And I, I see God taking away the bruising from a black eye. He's taking away. And God says, I'm going to remove the shame that you feel from the stigma of having to be in an abusive marriage and relationship. Hallelujah. Just receive, just receive, just receive, just receive. If you need healing in your body, I want you to put your right hand or left hand, either hand, put it on whatever place in your body that needs to be healed. Just put, put it on whatever place in your body that needs to be healed. We're going to decree and declare healing. Heavenly Father, we release healing right now. Healing right now. Just let your healing power flow and flood their bodies from head to toe. We command tracheas and esophaguses to be healed. Lungs to be made whole. Lung disorders to be made whole. We uh, command movement in shoulders and elbows and hands. Broken bones to be restored. Torn muscles and ligaments to be restored right now in Jesus' name. Liver disease to be reversed in the name of Jesus. Gastrointestinal disorders to be healed and to be whole in the name of Jesus. Back pain and back disorders. Scoliosis. We command the spine to line up right now with the word of God. Receive it. Receive it. Just receive it. Let the Holy Ghost minister to your body. Let him minister to your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just receive, just receive, just receive. He loves you, son. He loves you, daughter. He does it because it's great love for you. You weren't designed to bear this burden. Just receive it. <laughs> Lord, I release the joy, the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is about to hit your household. You're going to laugh. 
You're going to find joy in everything. Colors are going to become brighter to you. And it's going to be a sign and a symbol that the joy of the Lord has hit you and it's going to become your strength. No more down days. No more suffering. Your season of suffering is over. The kingdom has come. And his will is done. In your household. In your body. Not just praise God like you believe it. Just receive it. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. Just receive it. Just receive. 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 Just receive. Receive. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is moving here. Continue to receive that healing, that breakthrough. Whatever it be, maybe you're suffering from a broken heart, a bad relationship, a marriage that ended in divorce. He's near to the brokenhearted. Receive the healing. You're worthy of love. You're worthy of his love. You are not what they said you are. You are love. You are significant. This is not the end, but the new beginning. It's not over for you. The new life has just begun. Throw the shame away. It's only going to cause more pain. For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Notice Jesus took the shame so you didn't have to feel ashamed. Thank you for listening to this session of Come Celebrate. We hope you enjoyed.